Are your buttons pressed? Scotty, you do nothing but press my buttons. Mostly in a good way, but sometimes. No, actually, never. You don't press my buttons. In a bad way. Well, that, that's sad. That means I get no response from you at all. I mean, that's like you, you're broken. I just keep pressing things and there's no response and nothing works. And what you normally do is something you press all the buttons and nothing works. You chuck it in the trash. Well, isn't that what you did for two episodes? <laughs> no, yeah, that is true. <laughs> Well, Scotty, not that I'm ever one to, to be all tit for tat and you scratch your back and I'll scratch mine. No, wait, I scratch your back and you'll scratch mine. But I think since last week was your chance for therapy, I get to vent and, and be therapized this week. That sounds great. So what would I mean, a bit as I'm not qualified as a therapist, uh, let me let me start this way then. John, how do you feel? Well, Scotty, I feel a little bit frustrated at the moment, but I haven't given up hope. And it's it's thanks to, to friends like you and stunning colleagues. <laughs> oh my god, I broke you. I broke Scotty. <laughs> No, I'm just a friend whereas your colleagues are stunning. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, John, explain your frustration. Just let it out in your own words in your own wait, time. Wait, wait, wait. I have to back up a second. To me, that, that you know that, that laughs. It's not to say that friends aren't stunning, that you're not stunning. You're nothing about stunning. The phrase stunning colleagues is, is used at Netflix and it describes people who are extremely good at what they do and are just, you know... You can refer to lots of people that you work with as colleagues, like, you know, I get along with them, I get my job done, but that may be the beginning and end of it. Uh, I I'm, I feel completely blessed that I really just genuinely care for and, and enjoy working with the people I work with. And that's that's pretty much been the case throughout my career. It's uh, it's I feel pretty lucky about that. But anyway, makes a huge it makes a huge difference, doesn't it? I mean, it you can be going through some really frustrating stuff, but if your colleagues are good then it it, you know, it sort of can keep you sane. Right. Well, and so that maybe goes into the, the theme of it. So, again, I kind of can't go into too much detail, but I've been working on something for the last two weeks or so, a particular type of problem which involves having to, you know, take a view that's owned by a view controller because it has to be because of the complexity of what goes on with it and because it needs to be presented modally full screen. And making that transition in the ways that... that that I need to in an app that's genuinely, you know, for iPhones set up to, to, to work in portrait has been very, very tricky. And there are lots and lots of moving pieces. Um, and it's something where, where I kind of expected it to be challenging because the, the, the effect of what we're looking for is, is complex. The requirements for the animation, for the timing, the, the transforms to, to really get the elegant effect we're looking for are challenging unto themselves. Um, and so I expected that. What I didn't expect is the kind of every time, every turn of the corner is a slap in the face. <laughs> 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 Which it sounds like you've been working with React Native. No, no, I know, really, yeah. No, no, and, and it's it's the case where I think that that you can you can work on complex projects that have lots of moving pieces and you can find that that you know you make 
quite a bit of progress. You think, okay, yeah, it's challenging. I have to pour over the docs carefully, look at lots of code samples that are at least close to what I'm trying to do, kind of look for discussions about what are our known issues, known unknowns, unknown unknowns, um, and you kind of get your way through it. And you get to a point where you have most of the cases that you have work needing to work work. And then you have the last one. You say you can't solve the last one without kind of rechanging the way that you, you did the other other cases. And so then you get the other one working, and then that causes problems, you know, with, with the other ones. And I know that's sounding very vague, but unfortunately it has to be. But I can be a little bit specific in that the transition of taking a view out of a table view cell or a collection view cell, especially something that is kind of designed to work where it scrolls and needs to be active and doing things even while it's scrolling, and then all of a sudden deciding that it needs to jump out of that view and then be presented modally and with a transition delegate so it can do something a little bit more than the, the bog standard present, you know, full screen coming from the bottom, of, you know, coming from the bottom or whatever. Uh, so you have a transition delegate which passes you a, a context from which you get you know all the pieces you need, the the timing of it, the 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 view controller from which it's being presented, your view controller which is 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 being presented, and you can kind of do the things you need to with transforms and and anything you can imagine, hiding views, adding new things, view hierarchies, all that kind of good stuff, but. And 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 presenting, I found, you know, was was relatively simple. There was the complicating factor of also needing to rotate the device and make that work, um, both forcing a manual rotation when you tap on a button, or jumping onto the rotation train when the the device itself is being rotated, and knowing that that's happened, even though the the view hierarchy that you have set up in your application is set to say, the device may rotate, but we're not going to because we don't want to. So that was its own set of problems, and I kind of found, a, I think, a very clever way to, to work around that. That seems pretty original. Um, but jumping back, when you dismiss the, the view controller, and at the end of the dismissal, you know, when you have your transition delegate, you are allowed to animate something during the, 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 the transition. You have completion handlers for when you're done with it, and then when you say that the, you're telling the transition delegate, yep, I'm all done, everything's good, and then the method that 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 called the presentation, where where you say you know dismiss view controller animated yes, you know completion, um, you have another opportunity to kind of take the view that had been presented and do something else with it. Like in this particular case, put it back into into a, you know a, a collection view cell or a table view cell, and it's the putting back uh, that seems to be the problem because magically the view just disappears. Uh, when the when the when the presentation has ceased, and at first I was working with something that contained an AV player layer, and I thought, well, maybe there was some magic or some things happening there that caused the the the, the view hierarchy to get kind of disrupted. Um, and then I said, well, okay, uh, let's remove that from the equation, and I built a kind of a dummy view controller which just had a simple button on it for toggling the presentation uh, full screen, then exiting from full screen, going back from where it came. Um, and that was very, very helpful, but that took a little bit of time to, to make that dummy view controller kind of have respond to the, the minimum stub methods that it needed to so that it could be included in a, in a working app. 
All right. So it's, I couldn't make this entire thing a sandbox. I Man, I could, but it wouldn't, it wouldn't be an accurate kind of uh, representation of the problem I'm trying to solve. Uh, so my dummy view controller took a little, little bit to get working, but then that started working. So that helped a lot because it just removed a set of the problems that I needed to and allowed me to focus on the transition and getting that right. Then I kind of replaced my dummy view controller with my other view controller, and that's where I came across some some surprises, some things that you know were, were very, very clear what the problem was after I had gone through it. And, and most importantly, when I was able to talk to, to my colleagues and saying, oh, well, I was working on this thing. And so while you were off trying to figure this out, I added some other things, which some other behaviors, which, you know, would certainly affect the, the presentation of your view controller, not the least of which you have to remember when you present modal view controllers, the view controller that presents it will receive messages like, you know, view did disappear, which a view, can dis- a view controller's view can disappear for lots of different reasons, like switching between tabs or, you know, the app going to background or, or any number of different things. So it's a, a common place to be able to say, oh, whatever I'm doing, maybe I need to stop it. And when you stop things uh, and you stop things in views that themselves are being presented, that can cause some problems. So I, I, I came across some issues like that, which were, you know, uh, easy enough to, to work through. But where I still am now and where I am, my last points of frustration is that there, when you go to, to present, you have transition styles, right? So there's kind of modal, there's full screen presentation context, all those different ones. And then there's just generic one called custom. And when you do custom, you get a certain behavior, which is quite close to what I'm wanting in that when the presentation is, is it, when the, the view controller is dismissed, the, the I can do what I need with the view. It doesn't disappear out from under me. When I don't have defined as custom, and when I have my own transition delegate, somebody or something or some evil force in the world, maybe it's you, maybe it's my dog, maybe it's a fly which I, I smushed in a prior life or whatever is causing that whole view hierarchy just to, to, to disappear out from under me. Um, and so that's been frustrating. And so the way I've been dealing with it is having to be very methodical and, and, and work very, very slowly and have lots of interim check-ins so I can easily roll back and forth uh, because that's a better technique than just commenting out huge blocks of code where I can say, well, this works for th- in this approach, but then you kind of keep it around, but then it makes the whole code hard to read. So I've kind of had to you know remember good uh, source control hygiene and take advantage of that. And then more than anything else, just having second sets of eyes, because I think, and here's the, the therapy part of it, my breakthrough is that it's very common to think that uh, I should be able to do this. I'm, you know, I'm a smart person. I have lots of experience and I've gotten through lots of problems, so I'll just gut it out. And, you know, you, you certainly can take that approach, but it may lead to a lot of frustration and a lot of blindness because just a second set of eyes just makes all the difference in the world where an assumption that you've held on to is you hold on to it very tightly because you get wound up trying to solve a problem and somebody else looking at it from an outside perspective, asking you questions or just looking at things and saying, oh, it's so obvious to me. I can see that you're doing this bit wrong. Um, and so long as you can uh, let go of, of any kind of uh, whatever fragile ego that, that wants you to, to say, 
of, I couldn't possibly be wrong. How could you possibly see this this thing so easily? Uh, when you are able to do that, you can make uh, you can keep going. And and I've I've been through all these ups and downs and ups and downs and uh, and I'm tantalizingly close. I'm on the cusp, and I may just have to kind of resort to one last bit of brute force and stupidity, which at the end of the day, sometimes you need to do. All right, so that's the end of my long rant. Sometimes brute force is the only way to do things. So uh, just just for clarification, when you say that the view is disappearing from underneath you, you mean it's being deallocated or do you just mean it's becoming invisible? Uh, it's not clear. I mean, the first thing I do is 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 put a, a, a breakpoint or a log in the view controller's dialloc and it's never getting called. I don't see it in the view hierarchy. Um, it's and there are parts of it. It it itself has child view controllers, and 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 those can disappear. So it it, it it's I've seen different behaviors in in different in different permutations of of using different transition uh, styles, and the use or not use of of a custom transition delegate. And uh, and when you sorry well on. so I mean. Sometimes kind of through this process, I've tried to kind of think intuitively about kind of what's different about what I'm doing here versus other places. And oftentimes when you present a modal view controller, you know, modal means a lots of things, not not just the fact that it's covering the screen and obscuring any other input of what's behind it. But modal being the idea is like it has a very specific lifestyle. It gets presented and when it's gone, it's kind of it's gone and, and I can kind of imagine that the transition styles and I, I may be completely wrong here but they don't seem to be terribly well documented as as what the behavior is of those different ones other than the obvious ones of kind of over context or over full screen i can kind of intuitively know but custom is this generic thing what does that mean exactly um and because it's it's to to to, to make that one change and see a complete different thing where the view disappears it kind of intuits, makes me intuit that as a performance enhancement or, you know, I kind of imagine that if you're trying to kind of keep things out of memory as quick, get them out of memory, get them kind of away as fast as possible, when you present something modal and you say, we're done, it's kind of like, it's gone. Get rid of everything because there's no need to have hold on to it. Whereas in this particular case, I kind of really do need to hold on to it. So you give the, I mean, I, I may have missed, I mean, I know these things are far more complex and you're trying to break it down to a simpler explanation that firstly works in audio and secondly doesn't reveal everything you're trying to do. Um, so you've got the, you're getting the view from some sort of collection or table mm -hmm. and you're passing it to a modal view controller of some form. And when when the view modal view controller is ending, you need that view back. Well, uh, that view is disappearing. I'm actually, I'm not passing the view. I'm taking the the view controller stays around because it's owned by another object, and its view is in that that the the object which owns the view, right? So I mean, you, you have a, a table view cell, a collection view cell. It's kind of like a mini view controller in a certain way, right? It has a content view. It has all its view hierarchy. You can make connections to it, and so that that table view or collection view cell can own a view controller. Um, since the but once the once the collection view disappears from the screen, it can throw those cells away. It can, yeah, yeah. So are you holding on to the view yes. anywhere else? Yes, just so, I'm holding so on, it's not. I'm holding on to the. Yeah, I'm so. holding on. I have strong references that I that that I create yeah. just to eliminate because that was the first thing I was thinking. It's like okay, something's being deallocated. Yeah. Um, 
But so when the view when the uh, view is being dismissed, even if it is saying, "Yeah, we're done with this," it shouldn't be getting rid of it because you've got references elsewhere. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and it looks like it's not getting rid of it because you're saying the dialect's not right. being called. Not that that. Well, not that that means you know dialect is not time sensitive. Exactly. In, is this objective? Is this objective? Yes. C Swift. Yes. Objective. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, oh, interesting one. Well. Um, I'm not sure as your therapist I can give you direct technical advice, but that's okay. <laughs> I mean, you, maybe you feel better for getting it off your chest. Well, it, it, it's nice to listen, but but honestly, it, it is a reminder um, for for the kids out there listening, for our, our our half listener. Maybe maybe this is compelling enough that we've added a half listen for our the one and a half half listener. Um, just to remember that uh, don't don't struggle too far too long alone um you kind of have to constantly be willing to <laughs> to to ask for help and in the process of asking for help and having to kind of explain very thoroughly the the the, the order of operations the kind of the logical flow of what you're doing just the process of doing it oftentimes will help you uncover something which it has multiple times um and you just kind of yeah nine times out of ten i get into explaining a problem i'm having to someone in about the third sentence i'm saying yeah and there's the problem right <laughs> yeah i mean this is one of the benefits of working on a team i mean when you're working on your own is a is an indie or you're the sole developer on that particular product even you know uh you know even then if sometimes just explaining the problem to someone who isn't even technical can can help i used to have a colleague who back in the days of big CRT monitors, um, would keep a, an, an action man doll on top of his monitor. And anytime he had a problem that he can't solve quickly, he would explain the problem to his action man and as though it was a colleague sat next to him. And even doing that, he would find problems because just the act of it, having to explain it to somebody else who doesn't have the knowledge was often when he found things that he realized he was making an assumption on that weren't true once he started explaining them. Indeed. So talking to yourself works, right? It does. I mean, and, and, and I've I, just heard it from a therapist. Well I, <laughs> well, I mean, what is the self now in, in the age of the internet? My self goes all over the world through my, you know, my presence on various social media platforms. So, if I talk to myself through my post, am I really talking to myself in, in a in a creepy alone way, or am I just uh, interacting with my multiple egos? My multiple disparate network ego. John, I know we're now talking it together at decent times of the day, but I'm never ready for that type of question. <laughs> okay, sorry. Uh, yeah, neither am I. I just I was filling space. But the other thing that, that it reminded me of, uh, when I was first getting started, I had a long-running kind of development log. It was a trick I got from, from a friend of mine. Um, and it was just, it's a silly thing. I think that every time you're, you're learning some craft, you look at, at what people who do it well do, and you think, well, I, I should just do that. Um, and I kind of did it reflexively, mostly just to kind of capture, a, it was like a, a, a journal entry. It's like, I, I worked on this, this happened, this 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 was frustrating. Sometimes I would put snippets of code in it, and, and I just had it as a running log. And it was it's fascinating to look back at, you know, at, at what completely stumped me and what, what helped me get through. Um, but I think that you know, it, it was a very different experience of, of being the uh, being the sole developer on 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 a project because it was mine um, and having to ask lots of questions and kind of that was still very much in the early days of, of of mailing lists where you couldn't just go to Stack Overflow because it didn't exist. Um, but I think that 
a pattern that you end up doing is you get into kind of like nervous programming. I don't have a, another another way of describing it where you just say, oh my God, this doesn't work. It doesn't work. I have no idea why. And it's somebody else's code. It's a framework, right? And you, you know, some people may stop right there and kind of dig down and try and figure out exactly what's going on. And, and sometimes you have to do that. And, and I think it requires a very particular type of skill. I mean, that involving things like, you know, generating headers or, or kind of doing all sorts of things, inspecting the Objective-C runtime or whatever, trying to figure out exactly what somebody else's code is doing so that you can figure out that behavior and then figure out to work around it. I think other people, and myself included, who either don't have that skill or, or don't have the patience um, because you think, okay, I'll just figure out a hack around of some sort. I'll just try a different technique where I won't get trapped by the behavior of, of some other 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 bit of code that I don't own. That's that's where you can sometimes find the solution, but it's also kind of a danger zone because you can you can kind of get, as I said, kind of wrapped around. You'll have blocks of code, and you'll just say, "Well, this doesn't work," but I want to hold on to this working snippets of code which does some useful things, but I just want to comment them out. And and I think where it becomes even more painful these days, I've noticed in Xcode is is because you know you can't. You can't leave dangling variables like you used to, for example. So you have to kind of come out huge blocks of code to be able to prevent your app from not compiling because it says this instance variable that, you know, you commented out the use of it, but you didn't comment out the creation of it. And then you comment out one, and then then you get another one where you're saying, well, you, you, know, you, you know what I'm talking about. I think it's hard to describe where you kind of, you can't just comment out a certain line without causing compiler warnings. And so you end up having your, your methods looking you know that that at any one time only have three or four very small blocks of code, but the entire method itself has another six or seven blocks of code that are are commented out with a, a you know an asterisk, and you know just to be able to hold on to that logical block, and then it makes the whole file you know scrolling around it makes that whole bit of code uh, difficult, and that's when I said okay this doesn't work you know I, I need to kind of get it to a state where some things work commit that so I can cleanly get back to it, delete bunches of stuff, and then and then go try a completely different approach. So it, it's, in thinking about it and talking about it, it's kind of, it, it's a good reminder. And, and, and these things have really nothing to do with programming language or API because you could have the same problem. I could describe the same problem to a web developer or an Android developer or, or whatever, and though the language and APIs would be different, the, the concepts and the the approaches that good and bad that people take um, and the kind of self-doubt and, and, and ego issues are absolutely universal. It's what makes programming very, very challenging and then ultimately satisfying when you do solve it. It is, it is, but it is, doesn't make it any less frustrating when you're in nope, it. No, does not. There we are. But we'll get there. All right, well, enough about, we enough about me talking about me. Why don't you talk about me now for a moment? Well, I can talk about you, but, you know, I'm not important. Uh, I'm going to talk. I'm going to talk about me. Right. Well, no, you are very. You're very important, John. Thank you. You're very important. Um, just not to me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so me. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist it. There we are. So, uh, what's been going on? I am. I'm in one of those moments where I'm not quite sure what to do because uh, my main my main development machine is everybody who's listened to this show for. A, any amount of time I know is a, is a iMac, 27-inch Retina iMac, uh, 5K iMac. Um, I'm still running the original 2014 machine 
that I bought within a week of it being released when they released the 5K iMac in, in November 2014, I think it was, or maybe October, somewhere, somewhere around the end of the year. Um, it does have 32 gig of memory in it, and it, it was the maxed out processor at the time, which I think is a 4 gigahertz processor, a 4 core processor. Um, and it is still a fantastic development machine. I mean, it, as a machine sat on my desk, I, I feel absolutely no need to replace it in any way at all um, as a development machine, even though it's coming up for four years old. Um, however, uh, as I think we spoke about on the, the show um, previously, I moved my office out of my home uh, a couple of months ago. Um, yeah, maybe back about March time, um, to somewhere that's not very far away. It's about a three or four minute walk from my house. Um, but just to have an office space outside of the house, I'm sharing an office with a, with my work colleague, business partner, and um, the iMac came with me. But of course, sometimes I like to do stuff in the evening. Um, but uh, but you know, I don't I don't want to come back to the office. You know, because of that that does feels wrong now i did have a laptop before um the 2015 macbook pro but i only really used that if i was traveling like when i was in the states and coming to visit you etc you know i would set up the laptop for you know maybe take two or three hours setting up the laptop take it away with me for the next week two weeks three weeks whatever that was my exclusive machine when i got back i'd spend you know a couple of hours again just making sure everything synced up and got back Doing it, uh, you know, you don't want to take that sort of um, action every evening before you go home. Now, I know things you can push code and whatever else. So, the whole thing of having a machine I can work on from home and a machine I can work on in the office is sort of saying to me I should probably get a laptop. Um, I have been, um, you know, waiting to see what they did with the MacBook Pros because obviously the um, last set of of, of uh, got anecdotal evidence that the keyboards are incredibly unreliable and lots of people I know with them have regretted buying them. Uh, obviously, I think, you know, the star that we now have is the star we're going to have for at least another 12 months, maybe two years, who knows. Uh, but we do have the membrane on the new one. So I'm just trying to decide, do I just now get rid of my iMac and just move move my development life over to a, one of the new 15-inch MacBook Pros um, especially they seem to have sorted out the problems they had with the i9 processor where you can only use it if you sat in your freezer. Um, whereas now you can just sit in the refrigerator. You'd have to quite go as far as a freezer, uh, which is fine in America with most of your air conditioning systems. It is like sitting in a, a refrigerator wherever you go anyway. Um, just, so yeah, but it's you know I just love this 27 inch screen. I love the convenience of a, of a desktop style machine, but I'm sort of thinking I do need a MacBook. I'm still a little bit worried about the quality issues in there. I mean, it's three thousand pounds. What? Yeah, about four thousand dollars for a decent spec machine. Um, yeah, so I'm just umming and ahhing. But I think I'm probably I'm just gonna have to have to buy one and just get on with it and see what happens. No, Scotty, you're making a big mistake. I mean, I you you, uh, you I'm, I'm I'm hearing you describe this 27 inch you know iMac and the love you have for it. And I can see how letting go of a friend like that could be just an absolutely traumatizing experience. And I'm hearing that you're, you know, stealing yourself for having to to pull 3,000 pounds out of your wallet. I'm also knowing that with Brexit, 
there's you know that 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 the 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 there are lots of questions in in the economy. There's questions in in every country. I'm thinking that surely you should be able to find somebody in your town, in your hamlet, in the great burg of Bollockshire um, upon Tyne, uh, that would be willing to just <laughs> turn your 27-inch iMac into a mobile computer by <laughs> just strapping it to their back and just following you from, from town to home and would be ready on a moment's notice to be able to say, I have an idea. Bring bring me my laptop, and you could put like I LED was... lamps along the the, the <laughs> rabbit hutch paths in in, in East Bollockshire, you know, so they can, they can find their way. This person and 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 it's a win win for everybody. You get to have your trusted friend. You get to create you know solid employment. You get to you know probably add illuminating lights to the the rabbit paths in in your town. I thought you were being so serious right up to the. <laughs> You said that. I was thinking, what wisdom is is John going to give me right now? And the answer was none, none. Yeah, we'll see. So uh, we'll see. I'll let you know. I'll let. But I'd have made a decision by next week. And the other thing, tomorrow I'm going to I'm going to London tomorrow for an Elixir conference. Oh, wow. So um, this is I'm quite interested in this. Firstly, because I'm quite interested in Elixir, as you know. But like, this is going to be going to uh, a conference with a community I know nothing about. Absolutely, I've never met any other Elixir developers. Um, I've not, you know, been involved in any Elixir projects outside of what the other thing I'm doing. So yeah, so it's only a one day conference, and one day conferences can sometimes have a bit of a funny feel. I know, um, but um, it's uh, yeah. So I'm, I, I think I told the story many years ago. Well, it's quite a few years ago. I went to Austria to a Ruby conference. Um, just to purposely see, this is when I was doing research for NS conference, just to purposely see what it was like to go to a conference where you didn't know anybody. Um, it was um, quite insightful. So I'm just, I'm quite excited, it's maybe too strong a word, quite interested to um, to see how it feels, whether it's welcoming, whether it feels a bit weird, especially as it's a technology I am brand new to. Single track conference, so there are beginners and advanced sessions in the same track. Am I going to be drinking lots of coffee during some sessions and still getting a little bit confused in others so uh yeah so um looking uh looking forward to that to uh to see what's happening so basically what i'm saying is i have a bunch of things i'm about to do maybe buy a new laptop maybe maybe go to a conference no, i will be going to a conference and i can tell you about them next week but as you have um debriefed us so thoroughly uh on your issues and your frustrations we're actually out of time anyway so so john if people want to hear more of your um release <laughs> Where should they go? Well, you can find me releasing all over the internets on Twitter as Jembe. That's D-J-E-M-B-E, like the West African drum. And to our one and a half listeners, notice how I'm being, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, manifesting our desire to have a, an audience larger than one person. Go ahead and saying that we have a full one and a half listeners. So if if any portion of our one and a half listeners wants to add to my suggestions about you know how we could devise a a human powered transport for for Scotty's you know twenty seven inch iMac and prevent him from having to 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 spend money and give it to Apple when it should be reinvigorating the local economy and infrastructure how might how might they get your attention on the internet well, firstly, I am going to bet you say is I'm not actually worried about spending the money. I'm more worried about spending the money on something I may find is not as good as I've already got. 
type of thing. It's not about them. Anyway, it doesn't matter. You can find me on the internet. It's Mac, Mac Devnet on Twitter or Scotty on micro.blog. Or, of course, you can get both of us on feedback at iDeveloper.co where you can solve all of John's problems and send him a large bill. <laughs> I can, I, 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 I'm just seeing the emails coming in now, just like with the one line, stop. <laughs> Yes, that's $50, please. <laughs> it's good legal advice. Stop. <laughs> right, well, one and a half listeners. Um, is there a term for one and a half that uh, that is generally used when referring to people? Um, to our one and a half listeners, we uh, we thank you for listening. Um, hopefully uh, we haven't abused your ears too much. And until next time, you take care. <laughs> Thank you.